Universe. And today's podcast episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Now, let me just tell you this. If you're looking for the fantastic gift for your mom or your dad or anything, or maybe your girlfriend or your spouse or that certain someone, I recommend The Gallery. Especially if you're moved into your first apartment or your first house. The Gallery is just a fantastic place to where you can actually have pictures hanging up in your house and get this they come from all over the world like for instance you actually have india you actually have japan you if you want like colorado you can go on ahead and get you something from colorado and let me just tell you this this company is based out of new york the gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world like i mentioned while we are all unable to travel this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off of their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com. That's G-A-L-R-Y.com so your wall will never be boring again. And decorate that wall, move into that house, grab your uh, mom or dad or your spouse something from the gallery and I promise you that you will not be disappointed. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, especially in today's economy. But over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash offer. netsuite.com slash offer. Hey, Steven. Okay, yeah, I got it. There we go. There we go, man. How you been doing, man? Uh, making it, making it, making it. I hear you. Me too. I've been doing all right, man. Can't complain. No complaints here. That's good. That's good. Yep. J- Welcome to the show, by the way. I know this is a long time coming. I know that you've been wanting to be on the show for a while. All right. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You're welcome. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce the show, and then from there, we'll go ahead and go on with the topics. Sounds great. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have my friend Stephen here with me. Hello, Say hello to everyone, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? All right. And for today's podcast, I actually have Stranger Things is going to be renewed for 4 and 5. Zack Snyder discusses Justice League and the Batman. And then we're going to do our top five movie adaptations from book from the book to the movie we're going to be talking about that so let's go on ahead and get in with stranger things it's gonna be renewed for season four and five now i remember i don't know if you followed any of the news reports or anything like that as far as um, not necessarily i mean I, I watched the second season i mean i wasn't really too you know privy to all the news feeds and everything that was coming out about the you know renewing the seasons and all that good stuff Okay, so you're not even caught up with season three yet? No, not yet. Okay, okay. And matter of fact, I have to say, season two is probably maybe the weakest out of the Stranger Things. Season one and season three are my favorite out of the whole entire uh, series so far. But here's the thing. The Dover Brothers uh, last year, whenever they actually did the announcement for Stranger Things, 
they actually said they wanted to go ahead and close out, I think, on season four. They wanted to make season four the last season, which I think is actually a perfect idea for them to close out on four seasons. Because if you if you look at it, if you go past four seasons, you wind up becoming repetitive with it. Well, the only thing that, you know, I have to say about that is from what I heard, they left season three on one heck of a cliffhanger. They did. And, you know, I'm glad that they actually renewed it for season four, because like you said, it did leave it open for a cliffhanger, which I'm actually under. That's understandable. But once you go past four seasons, it becomes a little bit of repetitiveness, especially when we see from a couple of TV series that we've seen in the past that go past uh, five seasons and everything. So if you think of it like that, you know. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, at the same time, though, I like what the Dover brothers actually said about season four. They said uh, after the fourth season, it says they said won't be the won't be the end. We know that the end it uh, how to end it, and we know when it is. And th- they even had a chance during the pandemic to actually figure out what they were gonna do. You know, all right. And you know, it's given them time to look to look ahead, figure out what is the best for the show, starting to fill that out. And it gave us a better idea of how long we should go with the story. So I like the fact that they actually used the pandemic and they took a step back and they said, you know what? We can actually go ahead and tell a couple of more stories with these kids and then go from there. Well, you know? I honestly think I think with the season four coming up, I think the one thing that they're going to be touching on is where is Hopper? And why well, is Hopper in the position that he is in? Right. Because you saw the trailer for season four already, huh? Yeah, I have seen the trailer. Okay, okay. so we know what happened to uh, to Harper, but we don't know how he got there. We don't know, like you said, we don't know the condition that he's in. We don't know anything about how he got to that point. All we know is he's all of a sudden in Russia. Exactly. You know? So I like that <laughs> idea of what they're doing with that. And with with four and five, with two more seasons, I'm okay with that. I just don't want them to go on ahead and be repetitive with it or anything like that. Because I've seen a lot of pe- some people in some groups are saying, well, this is becoming repetitive. It's actually just uh, keep, it just keeps on going until there's nothing left. You see, and, and if I can I touch on that, I mean, the way that yeah. I see it happening is it's basically turning into The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead has become to where it is one of the most repetitive TV shows on television, mm-hmm. if I may. But, right. I mean, they should have ended it a long time ago. I understand that they're following, you know, the storyline from the comic books and all that good stuff. But it's time to let a good show just die. Right. I mean, it's time to focus this on point, something else. Exactly. At this point, they're beating a dead horse. I mean, one of the main stars in the show is gone. and. Right. They're just they're focusing on stuff that really just doesn't matter at this point. And I think that Stranger Things is I'm hoping that they don't do that because it is such a good it's such a good series. Right. And I do love what the Dofer brothers said. They're saying that after four and five, they actually know a way of actually how to end it. So maybe after maybe once season six happens, because they are teasing it a little bit, maybe we might actually get 
uh, and final ending for Stranger Things, which I'm going to be happy about if they do it that way. You see, and I would be very happy, especially if they took a different turn than what Game of Thrones did to us. <laughs> oh, that was just bad writing altogether with Game of Thrones. Oh, that was that was literally the biggest flop that they could have done. <laughs> they did. That, and all, get this. All they wanted to do was because of the fact that the writers for Game of Thrones, they wanted to go ahead and work on Star Wars. And they, they thought they were hot shit because of the fact that they were going to be on the Star Wars movie. And then all of a sudden, they're not even going to be attacked. Get this. After they got done with Game of Thrones, they just all of a sudden, they were detached from it. Well, I mean, that's a good thing because, I mean, heck, the newest Star Wars movie, right. I know I'm probably going to offend quite a few people when I say this, but the newest Star Wars movie was shit. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm literally wearing a Star okay. Wars t-shirt right now. And... That was the worst Star Wars movie I have ever sat through three and a half hours of. You see, I agree with you on some levels on that part because of the fact that <laughs> we didn't understand how uh, how Dark Sidious came back. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. With, uh, Papatine. Papatine is who I'm thinking of. We and didn't see, understand and how I'm not understanding back. how Ray, out of all the people that they could have teased on her being, whether she was a Skywalker or she was somehow related to Kylo, they make right. her a Palpatine. Right. And it doesn't make sense. None of that actually made sense. And then also, too, they made her super OP. Exactly. She was they literally super Luke times 10. <laughs> right. I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I have to agree with you on the repetitiveness of The Walking Dead. It feels like it's a bunch of filler stuff that they actually just throw together. Uh, because I don't have no attachment to the show now. It's like, I don't even want to even watch it. I mean, honestly, like if I could be completely honest, I stopped watching after the governor was killed off. That's when I stopped really? reading the comic books, and that is when I stopped watching the series. I would tune in every now and then just to kind of get a point of where they're at. And it's all just, it's like you said, fillers. And it's crap. They're right. literally mm -hmm. just trying to make their group happy, and it's not happening. No, it's it's just not it's not doing it for me. Number one, Andrew Lincoln's not in there anymore, which exactly. I hope that he if he does come back, I'll start watching. But well, from I'm just what not... I've heard through the grapevine is they're going to make a spinoff for Rick's character, which I'm not. Right, I'm, I remember I'm they were going to do a movie. Right, I remember I they, they were going to do a movie. Yeah, I hope they do. I mean, that would be fantastic. Right. But, you know, I mean, I feel like that it's it's time to cut off of a show once it comes on 20 seasons. And I know that you were a big, huge Supernatural fan. Still am. I'm actually rewatching right. the series right now. <laughs> All right. So, okay, I have a question. From a fan standpoint of view, do you feel like okay. that shows a little bit of repetitiveness or no? Um, After we found out who in the show was, you know, God, I think they should have cut it off there after, you know, he was reunited with his sister and they walked away and disappeared, all that stuff. They should have ended the show there. That's actually a perfect no. ending. I haven't seen the, now get this, I haven't seen the show, but from what you're describing, that actually sounds like a season finale. Uh, I, that, yeah, that should have been describing. a series finale. That should have been the end right. of it, but no, they pressed on <laughs> for three more seasons. Right. Exactly. So, I definitely see your point on that. And, with the Stranger Things, though, too, I feel like 
they should have just ended it on four seasons after they find out once we found out what happened to Harper, once we actually have the groundwork for that. I was like, okay, that makes sense to actually do end it on four seasons. It really of does. Stranger Things. Could and not agree I'm with like, you more. Right. And I also but like I said, at the same time, I'm now now that the Dofa brothers actually thought about it, thought about everything through whenever they have the whole entire quarantine thing to actually think about their series and what they want to do for the future of their show and everything. I like the fact that they actually thought about it and said, you know, instead of them going, you know what? And they woke up one morning and go, you know what would be a good idea? Brother, what's that? Let's go on ahead and do two more seasons. Well, what's the show going to be about? I don't know what the hell is going to be about, but you know what? Let's just do it. But I'm glad that they didn't go down that route and they actually just thought it out. You see, because nowadays directors will just throw shit on the table and just pick blindly and hope to God that right. it makes sales. Right. And you see, I caught on to Stranger Things way before Hot Topic even got a hold of the merchandise and all that stuff. Oh, I watched the first season of Stranger Things right when it hit Netflix. Right. I didn't know anything about it up until one of my fans told me about it. They're like, did you check out Stranger Things? I said, no, what's that? Next thing you know it, I'm watching Stranger Things. I'm glued to it. And that was before the hype. You see, I think show. that you, from a friend's standpoint, need to go watch Supernatural. I'm going to actually check it out. I do have plans to check out Supernatural. Now, don't get me wrong. The That's... first season is kind of slow. But once you, you know, you trudge through that, you know, the CGI, the bad acting, all that stuff, it becomes one of the most amazing shows you will ever watch. You see, that's how I was with Dexter whenever I first watched the first season of Dexter, to be honest with you. Because I oh, don't even get me started on Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> that is one so, of my all-time favorites. <laughs> mine, too. That's what I'm trying to say. As the seasons progressed, it's like, an, it's like you're ironing, you know? And then all of a sudden, you're finally getting out all those wrinkles. And you're mm-hmm. finally figuring out what your show is. And that's what Dexter is. On the second season, you can definitely tell that the show got better as it progressed because the dialogue is not that bad or anything like that. Like in the first season, it actually became stronger. And I, yeah, I see, love Dexter. Oh, it's a great show. The producers actually mm-hmm. put their heads together after the first season and said, Hey, we need to make this better. How can we make this better? And they actually made the perfect show that had the perfect series finale. You see, I didn't really care for the season finale that much, even though they did tease it with the whole entire thing when with John Lipkow's character. Remember, Dexter winds up saying, well, what am I going to do? Move to this uh, state and become a person who shops out trees and change my name? Yeah, I'm going to become a lumberjack. (laughs) Right, become a lumberjack. And you see, I liked how they teased it. I really did. But the setup for it, and everything towards the end was kind of a letdown a little bit, but still, yeah, it was I like a bit of poor execution. But they still, they, they I think they nailed it. The, I think they actually knew where they were going with it before the seasons ever ended, so that was always a good thing. Absolutely, but, you know. So okay, so we're going to talk about Zack Snyder's discusses Justice League and the Batman. So did you see the new Batman trailer or anything like that, or anything going on I, with the Zack Snyder? I did, and I. Huh. I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about it first? Okay, which uh, which one? The about the new Justice... Batman. Okay, at first, you know, you know me and Twilight, we don't get along. Um, exactly. 
the first thing I think of, Robert Pattinson sparkling his way into Batman. That's my first initial thoughts, which, you know, I had to actually erase that image and everything. And I actually watched a couple of Robert Pattinson films outside of Twilight and everything. And I think it was just the writing. I actually mentioned this on the show. I think it was just the writing in general for those movies is why I wasn't enthused with his performance. So I'm like, okay, so I didn't like anything that he was in. But I'm going to keep an open mind anyways. So the trailer opens up, and I'm blown away with it. I'm actually blown away with Robert Pattinson when he says, I am vengeance. And (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) I have to say, this is the one Batman movie that I have been most excited about since Val Kilmer was Batman. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's been a while for you. (laughs) Christian Bale, don't get me wrong, he was a great Batman. But Heath Ledger is what turned him into the Batman. That's true. Heath Ledger's portrayal as the Joker was perfect. Right. It's a perfect cat-and-mouse game between the both of them. Exactly. Which, I mean, I know that there are multiple forms of the Joker. There's the psychotic side that was, you know, portrayed by Jay Leto, or Jared Leto. Right. And then you had, you know, just the dark, just crummy version of the Joker, which was Heath Ledger. Right. And that's actually the anarchist, I believe, right? If I want to say. Okay. But I have to say, when it came down to actually watching the premiere of the trailer of the new Batman movie, I went in. Very close-minded. I was like, all right, Robert Pattinson, Twilight, Edward Cullen, who gives a shit? Right. I watched the trailer, and my mind was blown. So pretty much you I had mean, the same reaction that I did. <laughs> I, I did. I did, if not worse. I was fangirling over Robert Pattinson <laughs> as the Batman. <laughs> I could not be more excited. <laughs> right? Like, just the I'm, way I'm... that he stomped that gangster into the ground, I am vengeance. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> You know what that told me, though? That told me this is not going to be your Cape Crusader Batman. This is going to be your year one 1980s Batman. That's going to be your kick-ass ask questions later Batman. <laughs> right. And maybe murder you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so, because that's I mean, what he, exactly. <laughs> because this is actually taken from Frank Miller's perspective. It, and this is actually uh, what they're actually going for. And B- Batman does kill in the comic book when he's first starting out. He does. Yep. He's not the Cape Crusader that we all know, so nope. he does kill. So, I think after he winds up fighting himself, that's when he winds up. We he becomes the Cape Crusader that we know. Exactly. Now, let's touch on another subject: the new okay. Batmobile. Okay, I know everybody's making jokes about the fact that um, I know that everybody is actually feeling closed-minded towards that with the whole people are saying Fast and the Furious, stuff like that. I remember seeing the Dominic Toretto cross on the uh, on the car, on that beam. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah, I did. Okay. And a matter of fact, I actually posted it, but I always make fun of stuff that I like. I always think of it as spoofs, so I don't actually yeah. take this thing serious. But now, I like it. I'm all for it. I mean, it's got that muscle car yet tuner feel to it. It's more modernistic, and it's not, you know, space space ages as all the other ones. Like, 
look at the tumbler from Christian Bale's Batman. It literally looked right. like a tank with wheels. And then you had Val Kilmer's Batman. Was... It was like a and rocket you... ship. Right, and then you also have Ben Affleck's Batmobile. So too. Ben Affleck's Batmobile was actually kind of kick-ass. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> right, that thing was sick. You know, I was, and like, I was not the biggest really fan. The, right. I was not oh, the biggest fan of Ben Affleck being Batman, but he kind of turned the tides whenever Justice League came out. He did. He definitely turned the tides with it. But I have to say, I did enjoy him with Batman versus Superman. I did enjoy the extended cut over the theatrical cut because they did add a lot of stuff. And <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you, they the theatrical the theatrical cut sucks. The if you're looking for a good version, if people are listening, watch the extended cut. You can actually tell that this movie is structured perfectly when you look at that extended cut. I mean, you can and, just literally tell the amount of character that Ben Affleck put into the Batman. Right. Between him lifting weights, working out, getting fit for that role. And, and I mean, we do have to hand it to Ben Affleck. He had his chance as a superhero. He flopped with Daredevil. He yeah. came back strong with Batman. He definitely did. That's basically... You know what turned me around on him though, and okay. I wasn't the big ba- I wasn't the big Ben Affleck fan, right? So the movie that turned me around with that was Argo. Argo was great. In- yeah, Argo was great. He directed it and wrote it and acted in it, and that's what turned me on to Ben Affleck. Now I'm like, okay, Daredevil. Forget about Daredevil. I'm starting to like him. And then he did Gone Baby Gone as a director. Yep. Then he winded up doing um, The Town. Then there's also a bunch of other films that he made. And I'm, I, I like Ben Affleck. I'm a big Ben Affleck fan. Well, what, well, I mean, what really turned me on to a Ben Affleck fan was one of his older films that I actually watched recently for the first time, and it was called Paycheck. Oh, yeah. I remember that film. I know that it, not that many people like it. but I mean, I thought fun. it was a it's great a film. Movie. You see, I liked it. I actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm one of those few people that will actually say I enjoy Paycheck. And I know people are, I know Frenchie, if he's listening right now, he's going to probably be flipping his lid or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm kind of one of those odd people that like Mission Impossible 2. And I'm also one of those oddballs that like Paycheck. And I thought Paycheck was I thought was Mission really Impossible good. 2 was actually one of the best Mission Impossible movies. I mean, hats off to Tom's, Tom Cruise for that movie. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, but, you know, I like the look of the Batmobile for uh, the Batman movie. And it's also exact copy of what Frank Miller did for uh, year one Batman. Yes. If you actually look at the comic book. So for people saying, oh, it doesn't look like the Batmobile or anything like that. Look at the comic. It's straight from the comic book. Gone. I mean, look at the original Batmobile and place it side by side to Robert Pattinson's depiction of the Batmobile. And I mean, I gotta say, body wise, they're close. It's got that antique esque feel to it. It does. But at it the same time, it's got that new age, just metal, just raw power. Right. I mean, you have to take into consideration. But, we're moving away from the Cape Crusader to a whoop ass. I'm gonna punch you in the throat, and then I'm gonna ask you questions, Batman. Right, exactly. And that's what I like about it. That's what I love about this film. We don't even know if the reason why he has all this stuff is because maybe his funds are frozen. Maybe his parents 
uh, maybe he's young and everything, which he is, but maybe his parents froze the accounts and he can only get so much money out or anything. I mean, let's just know. think of this as the rise of Bruce. Right. Exactly. We have Batman Begins, but this is actually the rise of Bruce, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it should have been titled <laughs> Batman, the rise of Bruce. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I love I love what I'm seeing with the Snyder Cut, for the most part. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that, for the Justice League. Yes, I did. Okay, what was your initial thoughts with them using the Hallelujah song for Justice for that Justice League trailer? What's your initial thoughts on Zack Snyder? I want to know. Zack Snyder, he's a great director. And, you know, as far as the Hallelujah for the opening, you know, song for the trailer, I want you to take a look back at Suicide Squad with their opening song being the Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Right. I mean, right. They're going through that more, I guess you could say, classical feel to open up into a badass movie. And I'm going to be honest right. with you, DC has had a lot of flops in the past. They have. Gonna lie I'll even own up to that. I'll even own <laughs> up to it. Um, right now, if you actually look at that, they're three for three if you count their DCEU movies. Because you got I Wonder mean, Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Those are the three movies that are good. Oh, Shazam was fantastic. I loved Shazam. Right. <laughs> Me too. And I'm ready for the new Wonder Woman movie. Not even going to lie. Me too. Me too. I'm very excited I love about Wonder it. Woman. <laughs> you know, but um, I actually, yeah, going ahead. DC, like I said, has had its flops in the past. DC's trying to make a comeback. They're trying to be on the same level as the MCU, if I may. Right. Now, I'm thinking that I'm not thinking that Zack Schneider's going to be able to live up to, you know, the MCU, but the MCU is the only, the only reason that they're at where they're at right now is because Disney took them over. That's Had Disney not taken over Marvel, they would not be able to reach the heights that they are at now because they do not have that famous name, Disney, backing them up. That, and they don't have someone like Kevin Feige backing them up either. Exactly. Which is the go-to person. <clears throat> now, as far as the star-studded cast for the Justice League, I've got to say I am very excited. The only one I am not excited about is who is playing Barry Allen. Okay, that's everybody's critical, uh, to be honest with you. Almost everybody that I know didn't like the portrayal of Barry. I mean, uh, look at the Miller. Barry from The Flash, the TV series. Right. And look at the Barry that we have now. Right. Given he's because... a very good actor, if you have ever seen The Perks of Being a Wallflower, fantastic That's one of my movie. favorites. And his portrayal That's in that movie one of my was fantastic. Movies. That's one of my favorite movies as well. But him as the Flash, I'm not feeling it. You see, I I kind of agree, but also at the same time, you know, I'm thinking that there has to be a certain point where he actually got to where he is. Yeah, you know, because we see him, we see him a little bit lighter. We see him a little bit joking around and doing something that maybe Barry Allen don't actually do. So maybe he got to a certain point in his life during this universe to where he's like that. But, you know, I'm thinking with Flashpoint, we're actually going to see something different. Because Andre, Andre Muschietti, which is also the guy who made It Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, he's actually directing the, uh, directing this uh, Flashpoint movie. Good. And I'm really glad about that because it, Chapter 1 it. and 2 and were what perfect. He said, yeah, it's really perfect. 
because you don't really need hard elements for the Flash. He's a lighthearted character. Exactly. And what I'm thinking is because they're actually using Ben Affleck and they're using Michael Keaton in this movie. Whoa, Michael Keaton's making a comeback. Yep, he's going to be in this film too. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I did not know that. But now I do, and I'm very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So what I'm thinking is... I love Michael Keaton. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here, and I want to know your thoughts on this. Okay, so... Okay, so Ben Affleck is going to be back as Batman. He actually makes Barry the Batman suit. But he's also... I feel like this. The way that uh, Andre Muschietti actually describes this, I think think we're actually going to have Ben... uh, actually stepping in and coaching Barry and be like, look, I've been through what you've been through. I've lost people that I cared about. I've actually, because maybe Barry's actually hiding some type of emotion. Maybe he's actually hiding all that underneath all that. And he's still not over the guilt of, of his mom or anything. So maybe Ben is his beacon of hope. You see, and I can you agree know? with that. I really can. So now, um, that's... the only way that I can touch on that is, is bringing up the MCU. Barry Allen is the Spider-Man. Right. And Ben Affleck, a.k.a. the Batman, is the Tony Stark. Right. But just not as smart as he... Yeah, he's taking the Flash under his wing and he's teaching him the ropes. Whereas, you know, you've got this uppity teenager who thinks he's hot shit, who thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. And he goes out and he gets pounded. Right. And I'm thinking that's what's going to happen to Barry, though. I think he's going to meet his match. And also, too, with Flashpoint, he wants to go back in time to fix things. And I think that's actually going to be when Ben goes, you know, Barry, I've been like you. I've been wanting to go back to the past and rescue my parents. But at the same time, I realized that that's my past. And this is me now. And this is who I am. Exactly. Like, who would not be alive if you were to go in the past and fix the past? Like, people you have saved. Exactly. And I'm also thinking this too. Maybe Barry goes too far, uh, too far into the past, and he winds up in the 1980s Batman. Oh boy, that would be exciting. (laughs) So that's what I'm thinking. That's actually going to happen. And I was like, well, what about Reverse Flash? Because you can have Flashpoint without Reverse Flash. So you've got to also take into consideration Michael Keaton did play Birdman. Yep. So maybe we can see a Birdman coming into the DC universe? <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, well, Birdman's not even associated with uh, with any DC characters or anything like that. Yeah, it's I just, know. But that would be... <laughs> that would be pretty cool, though. <laughs> that would be funny, though, if there's like some representation of that, though. That would be funny. Exactly. But this is what Zack Snyder said about the Snyder with this whole entire Justice League Snyder cut and he said you'll see at the beginning of Justice League there's another uh, where you you see Bruce or Batman lowering the grenade launcher that he used to fire the last kryptonite uh, around at Doomsday and you see him seeing the sacrifice that Superman made what he's just done it's a, it's a full circle if you think about it the first moment he sort of saw Superman and was like, that motherfucker. And now he's like, that guy just... <laughs> and now he's like, that guy just gave his life to save us all. And then 
He also revealed, Zach also revealed this. He decided to use Hallelujah almost two years ago. It's something that I just felt like, you know, was right for this. Explained uh, to the Coens, uh, with the Cohen song. It has significance beyond just the movie. And I like that whole entire aspect that he knew how he was actually going to do the Hallelujah song. You know? And I mean, if, if you want my personal opinion, I mean, I thought it fit in great. I thought it was Me perfect. Too. <laughs> it was haunting. It was menacing. It was slowed down a heck of a lot from what we got from Shrek and everything. You know? <laughs> so, that was my first and introduction up into Hallelujah. <laughs> that would be corny as hell, though, with Justice League. <laughs> with the Justice League of America and have All Star in there. <laughs> yeah, but it would fit perfectly with Jason Momoa as Aquaman, though. So I mean, you gotta, you gotta admit that. <laughs> that's true. If this was the '90s, that's what they would have actually probably gone for. <laughs> oh, absolutely, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is also what Zach said too. I don't know yet what the rating is going to be, but I felt like the same way. I actually just texted Matt Reeves after, and I saw like, what the fuck. This is cool. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I thought it was the right direction and everything about it. As far as just being a fan, it's kind of the movie I want to see. So I felt like two thumbs up. And that's what he held up, two thumbs up. And he he gave Matt Reeves pretty much his blessing on how he loved the trailer for the Batman movie. So that's always a plus that you actually have another director that actually praises another director. Exactly. And so, I mean, I literally took it upon myself to rewatch all of the Twilight movies again because you did it. Oh, and God. I was like, they can't be as bad as I remember them. Yeah, they were worse. But <laughs> <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Robert Pattinson has come a long way. He has. He really has. That I man have has literally honest. spent his time in the trenches making shit movie after shit movie after shit movie. And then he came out with a movie called Remember Me. Yep. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's a great movie. Yeah, it was actually after Twilight he made that film. He made that yeah. one. I remember the plot twist. And I remember everyone being pissed off at the plot twist for that. You see, honestly, I was kind of expecting it because in a few of the scenes, you actually did see the Twin Towers in the background. Right. That's true. You did. So I was kind of I was kind of putting piece and piece together and then the end of the movie came. I thought it was going to be the you know, his girlfriend that passed away, but it was ended up being him. And I was just like, holy shit, I was not expecting that. Great movie. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> you see, I need to actually check out some of his other movies. I know that Frenchie mentioned one other film that I need to check out. So I'm definitely going to probably check that out. I heard The Lighthouse was good with him in it. So. Oh, The Lighthouse was fantastic. It was? Okay, I'm definitely going to have yes, to check it out. it was then. a great movie. Okay. <clears throat> that's one that's on my list as well so all right. <laughs> that's all right so that's pretty much it for the Zack snyder stuff uh so now we have our top five uh from book adaptations to movies so the way this actually works is i'll go ahead i'll read off my my number one and then you go with your number one okay okay so my number one is going to be dr mm. sleep Ooh, didn't even think about that and, one. And the reason why is because I've read all of The Shining, all the, the first book of The Shining, and I went on ahead and rewatched The Shining, and I understand why Stephen King didn't like 
the first movie. And matter of fact, I don't really care for the first Shining movie. I'm going to be one of those people that really didn't care for it. I felt like Jack Nicholson was just playing Jack Nicholson. But yeah, <laughs> I can agree with you there. <laughs> but with Doctor Sleep and everything, I felt like it was a perfect from cover to end with the way they actually did it, especially whenever you look at the creepiness of actually The Shining itself. And then also, too, you also have the caretaker from The Shining that shows up in the film and everything because he's actually dead. In the book, he's actually alive, of course. They actually kept him alive in the book. And of course, yeah, but you know, they have to snip and tuck and all that stuff for the movie adaptations. Right. So, you know, I love the fact that, you know, this is actually its own movie rather than them playing off of the Shining, the original Shining movie. So I actually, I actually respected them for that because let's talk about Ewan McGregor. Yeah, let's go. Okay, go on ahead. You go for it. (laughs) His role in that little series that they did for Dr. Sleep was phenomenal. I love everything that Ewan McGregor touches. It turns to gold. Big Fish, Star Wars. I can go on for days about Ewan McGregor. (laughs) He's a a fantastic actor. actor. He definitely is. Like, hands down, I'm I'm one of the biggest Tim Burton fans you will ever meet. I literally have Oogie Boogie and Jack Skellington tattooed on my arm. <laughs> Him yeah, I remember. and Big Fish <laughs> was amazing. That I'm going to be honest with you. Big Fish was actually one of my favorites and everything. Yeah. And Hugh McGregor, like you said, he's a phenomenal actor. I really liked it. Not only that, but when he was could lock away the ghost in his head and then use it, as a way to actually take down Rose the Hat. Oh my god, the goosebumps on that. And then also Abra too, she's just as lethal as he is with this sh- with her shine. You know? All right, and we're back, back again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you were saying about your about Harry Potter? All right. Uh, what is the last thing that I left off on? You said Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is one of your favorite uh, from book to movie adaptations. Okay. Now, I cannot off the top of my head remember who it was that directed that movie. I know that J.K. Rowling was a producer, and that was one of her babies next to the Sorcerer's Stone. Right. She did phenomenal in the book and even better in the movie. I mean, just the little quirks that she added here and there, like Hermione punching Malfoy in the face and stuff of that nature. It was just perfect. <laughs> right. And by the way, the director who did uh, The Goblet of Fire was Mike Knoll. Ah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. So, go on. But like I was saying... Just, you know, as far as them sneaking into, or well, Moody sneaking into um, Snape's ingredients cupboard and giving the gillyweed to Neville to give to Harry, it's just the little tiny things that they covered in that movie is what made it so perfect. See, I like that. I like the aspects of what they did with that. It's just that at the very beginning, I felt like something was missing. I felt like they kind of rushed the beginning a little bit. Because yeah, I, was actually I agree ex- with you there. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I remember actually taking this back to Walmart 
and be like, I think there's something wrong with the disc. I think there's something missing in the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I went on and rebought the DVD. And it was the same thing. I'm like, okay, it's just me. I just wanted more. <laughs> yeah, so, I can agree with you, you there. Know, but the Tri-Wizard World tournament was actually one of the best standouts in this whole entire movie. If you didn't have that in the movie, it would actually be a letdown. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and as far as the cast goes, with Robert Pattinson being Cedric Diggory, I mean, it was perfect. Even though he barely had any speaking in that movie. <laughs> he was literally just hushed mouth for right. the entire movie except for like 10 lines. His acting was right, on exactly. great. Right. I thought they actually casted him perfectly well for that role because it's actually how he was actually described in the book. Tall, slender, so shaggy I they... hair, white complexion. I mean, it was perfect. Right. And I actually have to say, they did a good job of casting him for that role, even though it's more like glaring and not saying that much. Yeah, I mean, it was basically, <laughs> it was basically Edward Cullen without sparkling. <laughs> right. It's basically, it's basically just getting chosen as a juror for a movie and not saying anything. exactly. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I I definitely see why you like this film. I thought it, I had a lot of fun watching the film, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but what else is your standout for it? Well, I mean, the person who they got cast for Mad Eye Moody was fantastic. He was phenomenal, amazing job. Um, the woman that they had portray Cho, perfect. I mean, it's just all the, like I was telling you, all the little tiny details that they put into that movie is what made that movie phenomenal in my eyes. I mean, I can see why. The like detail I said. on all of the dragons, the detail on all of the little underwater creatures, just everything. The way that they portrayed the mace in the end of the movie is what sold me on that movie. It was dark. It was scary. It kept you on all times. It definitely did. And I love the graveyard scene. The graveyard scene is probably one of my favorite parts of the book, aside from seeing Dobie again, Dobby again. Yep. And of course, uh, you know, I'm glad that in a way that they kind of skipped the whole entire kitchen scene with the elves. I'm glad that they didn't put that in the film. Yeah, that would have been uh that would have been looked over pretty harshly, especially in today's, you know, society. We're not gonna touch on politics, but No. A lot of people <laughs> would have seen not. that as wrong. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I understand I'm glad that they didn't put that in there. Plus I think it would also be kind of boring though too, yeah. seeing it on a movie. I mean, it would have just added unnecessary time to the movie. The movie already had, you know, a lengthy time as it was at two or two hours and 35 minutes i mean it was a long movie right so nobody wants to see uh elves preparing dinner for the great hall exactly so, i mean what what would be the so point but, <laughs> exactly so what would be the right so i like that i like the uh like i said i also like the maze i like the maze and the on the film though too oh the maze had to be hands down that and the yule ball the Yule Ball yeah. was spot on from how I pictured it in my mind when I was reading that book as a teenager to watching that movie as a teenager. The Yule Ball was perfect. 
It was. It definitely was. It was how I imagined it as well. The Gilly Weed part was also perfect with Neville, like you mentioned. It's, it's a perfect... Uh, it's actually a perfect movie actually, adaptation, if you actually think about it. It really was. It was amazing. So, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with uh, this Harry Potter film? or? Uh, no, I think I, I pretty much covered all my bases on Goblet of Fire. <laughs> okay. So, my number... Two is going to be The Godfather. Ah, great movie. And I actually, and here's the thing: I actually read the book by Mario Peluso. Oh, absolutely. And I, I okay, get this: I actually saw the movie first before I read the book. Same. I read the book back in college. I, I read that? the book uh, my senior year of high school. I actually did my thesis okay. paper on it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, the teacher didn't think it was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did mine on uh, Stephen King, so I don't know. Yeah, I think we're in the same <laughs> so, <boat> there, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but when you look at um, this film, when you look at The Godfather, it's a perfect film. But also, too, uh, that movie also came out in the 1970s, so I think it's 75, I believe. Yeah. But the book is actually perfect. It's actually spot on. There's a couple of small differences here and there. As well, and it also covers with part two as well. So there is no part three; they just added part three because they just wanted a continuation. So, you know, I thought that Al Pacino did a really good job of playing Michael Corleone, hying yep. out in and, Italy after all that after the hit. And then, of course, restaurant. you had the big man himself, Marlon Brando. Exactly. Oh, you couldn't get Don Corleone. You couldn't get anyone else to play Don Corleone. Oh, no, absolutely not. Marlon Brando did perfect in that movie. It's just he all the way down did. to his accent was perfect. It was. It was perfect. And then I love the opening part where you actually see the funeral parlor guy. And he's asking a favor on Don Corleone's uh, daughter's wedding day. Yeah. And that, that gives me chills. Well, I mean, that's also one of the most sought-after points in that movie series was that, just that point in that movie is just everybody's favorite point of that entire series. I agree. And it's also the most memorable, like you said. Uh, especially when he, has, he goes, Don Corleone, I come to you on your uh, daughter's wedding day. To, and and he's actually just wanting him. him. Right. And and that was actually perfect. And he goes, well, I hope you know behind that action is going to require enough favor from me. Yes, sir. And his favor, and you know what, though? I like the fact that his favor wasn't as bad as what some of the other ma- mafiosos would have actually uh, done. You know? Because all it was was him burying his son. So, I mean, so I'm glad that it wasn't something like major. Yeah, like, you know, leaving a horse's head in somebody's bed. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually one of my favorite moments of that film. <laughs> because this big old huge Hollywood director thought he was like hot shit because of the fact that, you know, he couldn't be touched or anything. And then he found out how quick that he can actually be touched. You know, and the weirdest part about it was I have actually read online that they used an actual horse's head in that film. <laughs> Really? I don't know if there's any truth behind I, it, but I have read. I cannot remember where my source was, 
but I had heard that they used a real horse's head in that scene. That is crazy to actually think about that. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe it was donated or something. Maybe somebody donated. I don't know. Maybe like somebody's horse that died or something like that. No, yeah, just use it in the movie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just crazy at the times that people weren't all that offended or anything compared to now. It's like, okay, you kill. We will see an animal rights activist. Yeah, we're going to call PETA. Right. <laughs> you know, let's call Peter so, Marlon Brando cr- for a 1973 adaptation of a movie. Let's go. <laughs> right. Hey, I've seen weirder stuff happen, so, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, I have to say, this is actually a perfect, well-done movie. I thought the chemistry between the brothers were really good. Yeah. I thought Sonny, you couldn't get a better person to play Sonny. Sonny was always a hot-headed person. Who acted on his emotions, and that's actually what killed him was that. <laughs> oh, I love James Tan as Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Huh. And then, oh, it, uh, it's it's really great. And then, ha- and then of course, Al Pacino coming out of the bathroom to whack the police officer. Yep. <laughs> the other, per- the, and everything was just perfect. I mean, but you know, I. All the way down to Vito himself having a heart attack in his orange field with his granddaughter. It was just a perfect movie. It was. It definitely was. So, that's my number two. So, what do you have for your number three? My number three, I'm going to have to go with Stephen King's The Mist. Okay. I, I did enjoy The Mist, but not as much as what other people enjoyed it. So there's actually other Stephen King adaptations that I like. Now, let me just so go ahead, on this. Tom... I'm not talking about the TV series that they're doing of The Mist. I'm talking about the movie where Thomas Jane plays David Drayton. Okay. As a matter of fact, the TV series is actually canceled. Oh, so... <laughs> thank God for that. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why they canceled it. So, well, I mean, uh, it's just the way that they portrayed all of the monsters in that movie. The way that you had that just, I mean, I hate to say it like this, that overly bearing Christian woman. I mean, just down to the mm. brass tacks of that movie. Spot on. Perfect. Tips my hat to Stephen King. Definitely. And I, I love what happens to her, though, because she just got on my nerves. I would just sacrifice her just to get her over with. <laughs> and when the old lady hit her in the head with the can of peas. <laughs> it was perfect. It was. It was definitely perfect. But let's just, let's talk about Thomas Jane putting his raw emotions into that movie. When he had to shoot all of the people in the car, come to find out all of the sounds coming from behind him was the military. It's just, you saw... <laughs> Just fear coursing through his body. And how devastated he was was that he actually ended his son's life. Oh, it was just top-notch acting on Thomas Jane's part. It was perfect. And honestly, it was. If I must say, Thomas Jane is the true punisher in my eyes. He always has been, always will be. You see, I liked Thomas Jane's Punisher. I always loved Thomas Jane's Punisher. But that was until John Bernthal came in. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with you there. I hate that they canceled the show. I hate it. Me too. I hate it. It was so perfect. <laughs> I hated him as Shane in The Walking Dead, though. I have to. I have to. Talk Me too. That. He was awful as Shane. Me too. But you know, I loved 
Uh, I do love Thomas Jane as the Punisher. I thought he was the perfect adaptation of the Punisher during the early 2000s. Yeah. So I, I give you... Now, the guy that they had to so, replace him for Warzone, not so much. Exactly. I didn't like that adaptation at all. I can appreciate aspects of the film, but as a whole, no. <laughs> that was not for I me. Can, I can really appreciate the goriness of the film. I mean, that was right. spot on for the Punisher. <laughs> that I can appreciate. But getting back to but, The Mist... I mean, it's just the way that they portrayed all of the monsters in the film. The spiders in the medicine, or the, uh, what is it called? Uh, the pharmacy. Yeah, the pharmacy. And then uh, you, you had the stalk walkers, and then you had, you know, just every little thing was perfect. The tentacles ripping the skin off that guy's leg whenever they're trying to pull him out from underneath the garage door. It was perfect. Kept me on the edge of my seat. He goes back to his house, finds his dead wife, and continues trucking on like nothing happened. I mean, because here's the thing. I want to touch on that for a minute, okay. though, too. Because, you know, there's actually this big old huge problem with these monsters that be. You don't have time to mourn. You don't have time to do anything. You actually have to go on ahead and truck along and keep your emotions inside. And I, everything, yeah, you know? actually, that is a perfect point. So that's what I got out of that scene. And then the other scene that, you know, this is actually going to be straight out of the Bible kind of thing because they, I forgot what uh, Bible part it was, but they usually, they actually had to take a bell and tie, tie it around their uh, waist. Yeah. Because, th and that's actually in the Bible where they actually were afraid that they would actually die. I forgot what story it was from, but that scene reminded me of that. Where well, I they... Mean, you have to take into consideration that the movie was actually based around the end times from the Bible. Right, right. I mean, you saw whenever, all right, Marsha Gay Harden was the one that played the Bible-thumping, just hardcore Christian lady. Right. I think her name was uh, Miss Carmody. I think her name I think... was. But yeah, I think so. whenever she started praying, the monster just overlooked her and went and stung the young cashier that the man had, you know, the little love interest in and killed her completely. See, I didn't think about that. Mm. Yeah, it there... really makes you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about that part though. That's a good call on your part on that. Like if you were to go back and watch the movie, you would see exactly what I'm talking about. You know what? I'm going to probably try and do that again and do a revisit and do a review on it because I do like the mist and everything, but it's been so long since I've seen it. Oh, it has been years so, since I've seen it, but I still love that movie to this day. And I love the book just as much. All right. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to touch on on that or no? No, nah, continue on with your number four. Okay. So that is actually going to be my, this is actually going to be my number three. Oh, I'm sorry. Number three. Okay, so my number three will be It Chapter One. Ooh, good one. Good and, one, good one. And here's the thing. I read the 1,779-page book. <laughs> same, same. No shame there. And, Loved it. Right, and get, me too. And you know what, though, so, man? I mean, I call it the Stephen King Bible because it's just as big as yeah, the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if, if you actually look at how big that book is, it's just as big and thick as the actual Bible it is. But, oh, absolutely. 
but all jokes aside and everything, um, I understood why they didn't go with the 1960s and everything, because in order for this film to work, you had to make it work for the 1980s, because otherwise the ages wouldn't actually match up or anything yeah. like that, because it's supposed to come back every 30 years. So that yeah, actually so would have put them back in the 90s, right? going back to kill it. Right. And that's what they did with the miniseries. Yeah. So that wouldn't have worked. So them putting it in the 80s was perfect. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Now, and oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. With the kids, I thought the, the kids were perfectly well casted from start <laughs> to finish. The chemistry Agreed. between them was unreal. And they actually uh, made them bond and everything before the film and everything to be so the way they become so the way they can become friends. And I gotta say, hands down, my favorite kid out of all of them was always Richie. You see, mine too. That's always <laughs> my favorite one. Was Richie. Beep beep Richie. <laughs> now And as a matter of fact, you're right, go on. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um but no, as a matter of fact, Tamika and I actually did a review for it chapter one and chapter two. But it chapter one's just one of those ones that I always liked the kids rather than the adults. And I thought that they actually did a really good job from from that aspect. Yes, there's certain things that they didn't touch on in the book, uh, from the book or whatever that I wish they would have actually done. Yeah. But still, that creepiness inside the basement itself when it's flooding, and then you see Georgie, the little brother, oh. saying, go float too. <laughs> I got to say, the I mean, worst part of that movie for me was whenever – it came out of the fridge in the abandoned house. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh. I do have to agree with you on that. Now, my question is this. Did you see this in the theaters, or did you see this on your flat screen? Oh, I saw both of them in theaters, in chapter one and two. Okay. Yeah, I saw this in the Picking Theater and everything, whenever I saw uh, both it of chapter them one came out. Theater. Okay. Yeah, I saw it chapter two over in Hattiesburg, and I saw it chapter one over in Picking <laughs> But I remember seeing, um, matter of fact, I remember uh, seeing Hang it on, coming just out of... I got a little bit of an interruption from dogs. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm doing a podcast. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. No, anyways, continue. <laughs> okay, it's all right. But, you know, what I love about... It chapter one was the fact with that scene when you were mentioning whenever he's coming out of the fridge, that gave me goosebumps. I was like, I did have a few minutes of goosebumps in that theater. Oh, that was me screaming like a little girl for <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> right? And the music that they chose was just perfect. Oh, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Now, I mean, my real question to you is, do you think that Skarsgård lived up to Tim Curry's name, though? I think so. It's just a different reincarnation of what he brought to that character, but I thought he did really good for what he had. You know what I'm saying? Because it showed the innocence. If you actually look at his eyes, they played off the innocence of his eyes to lure yeah. the kid in. So I, mean, I, lo- I love that. Beautiful eyes. I'm not even going to lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> and the but, weird yeah. thing that he does with his eyes where he spreads them apart kills me. <laughs> Right, because he can actually do that. That was actually all him, and that was all Adam. Right, right, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I, he used his own innocence to actually lure, lure the kid in. That's how he actually gets them, and it's just perfect. 
And then as soon as... Huh? Oh, go ahead. And then as soon as he goes on ahead and gets ready to kill them, that's whenever all hell breaks loose. Exactly. So I love that whole entire thing. Then also, too, the part where they're actually watching the slideshow and everything, and it starts going crazy, and that gave me goosebumps there, too, because I'm like, okay, if this was in 3D, this would actually... This that, that would probably end up uh, making me scream like a girl. No, I'm you want to know lie. the worst part about it was I actually watched that movie in 3D. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was only in 2D. No, they did Chapter 1 in 3D for one night Just... at Picayune Theater. Really? And it hands down had to be the one night that I went. And it was the only showing they had. I said, whatever, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and whenever, <laughs> See, like you were saying, whenever he came out of that spindle wheel like that, and he was like literally a freaking twenty foot tall. It. I chucked popcorn across the damn movie theater. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I could see it. I could definitely see it. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a really good film. Um, so that's actually my number three. So what you got for your number three? Well. Let me go back to my notes here. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. All right. Now, I'm going to touch on this one not as a good film adaptation of a book, but as a horrid one. Okay. Cirque de Freak. I haven't seen that one. Hands down, I give it a one out of ten. Because it was a very good idea. All right, Darren Shan wrote the original series. The original book series, phenomenal. Not even going to lie, read the entire book series within a three-day period. And that is 12 books. Oh, wow. Given they're all about 250 to maybe 350 pages long, I read all of them in that time period. And I was so excited when the movie came out. But when the movie came out, they had the worst possible cast for this movie. Playing they, Mr. Uh... Prepley was John C. Riley. Oh, God. Who is not known for his serious movie. I mean, truth be told, the most serious movie he's ever had was either, what was it, uh... Chicago, I think it was. that. Yeah, that and the River Wild back in the 90s. Yeah, the River Wild and then Kong Skull Island. Which you can't really say serious on that one. It's kind of... No, not necessarily, but it was more of a serious movie than what he's used to, like, coming from Talladega Nights. True. But... I mean, they had Josh Hutcherson in the movie, which, let's be honest here... There was only one good movie that I loved him in, and that was Zathura. I mean, okay. yeah, Zathura was a great movie. I did not like him in Bridge to Terabithia. I mean, it's just, they did a horrible job on the cast. And the overall, just functionality of the movie was awful. Like, there's this one thing that a full vampire can do, which Darren Shan, which was the vampire's assistant, was not a full vampire. He was a half vampire. Right. And only a full vampire can flip. 
which means move at a high rate of speed for a short amount of time. And they made it to where a half-vampire could flit, which, according to the books, is not possible. Okay, I never read the books. I read. I actually went to see the movie. And even then, I thought it was a little too out, outside of the realm of making it believable. I mean, now, I mean, you got to take into consideration the books are bait, or they're targeted for more of an adult than they are a child. They turned right. an adult book into a child's movie. Like, Madame Octa was supposed to be this Goliath bird-eating spider that would weave a web from Mr. Krepsley's chin. And they made her this big old ugly CGI spider. And it, it literally it ruined the entire book series for me. That movie was horrible. And honestly, I really wish that they would go back and touch on that book series because that would make a fantastic movie series. To be honest with you, I wouldn't mind if they just went on ahead and did a TV series. Uh, they, either or. Right. Because, I mean, there's 12 books. So, I mean, you could easily get 12 seasons. Right. Or you can b- combine the two two stories and make it into one season, which I don't like them doing. Yeah. But still. I mean, anything would have been better than that atrocity that they called Cirque du Freak. The vampire right. assistant. And you see, I didn't care for that. They literally, gonna... from, they literally jumped from book one to book ten in that movie. And that was supposed to be the adaptation of the first book. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't like when Ooh. they do stuff like that. <laughs> it was awful. Hands down. All right. But yeah, I remember going to the movie theaters and to see that film and everything because I like vampires and stuff like that. And I didn't even like that film. I hate to admit it, but it literally makes Twilight look like a good vampire movie. (laughs) (laughs) I can agree with that in certain aspects, as much as I hate to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I'm going to be doing my movies that made me cringe and everything. And it's actually going to be the Twilight series. So we're going to be doing that soon with Tamika and I. But I tip my hat on that. Man, I suffered. Um, <laughs> I even told her this. I said, if you actually listen to the background music for Twilight, it actually sounds like a bad anime. Especially oh my inside. god, it's so angsty. They use nothing yeah. but indie music, and it was awful. Well, no, 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 no. You remember the part where they're inside the school and the teacher's opening up for the science? Yes, I know exactly and... what you're talking about, because I literally watched Twilight this morning. And it's like bad porno music, or it's yes! bad. It is Skinamax bad music. anime. It is Skinamax music. <laughs> I'm like, really? This is like bad anime or bad porn music. That's how it, bad it, it was. It is literally something that you would expect to hear. Picture your 12 year old, just pu- uh-huh. prepubescent boy sitting up in the middle of the night in his room waiting for Skinamax to start. <laughs> <laughs> I was that kid back in the day, but I was so that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was that kid back in the day, back when I was in high school. Not afraid to admit it. Me either. 
I watched Lord of the G String, Fellowship of the G String. Don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. Anyways, uh, moving on. (laughs) Enough about my. Let's not take that down memory lane. Nope. That's the blockbuster days. Anyway, no, that's actually the uh, movie gallery days. Um, oh God! Yeah, I actually worked at movie gallery. <laughs> Anywho, okay, so my number four is going to be the girl with the dragon tattoo. Aha! Good movie. Good movie. Yes, and I like the Swedish version, but I also like the North American version. I can appreciate both of them. I'm not one of those people that said, "Well, how dare you?" What? <laughs> I just got to say, you know, hats off to you, man. I would have never thought of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. That was a Thanks, great man. book to film adaptation. It was. It really was. If you actually look at it from frame to frame, it's actually literally out of the novel. And I mean, they did perfect in the casting for that movie as well. They did. And I like the Swedish version, but like I said, I like the North American version too. Yeah. And they had Trent Rizzer from Nine Inch Nails doing the scoring for it. Oh. was even better. And then also, too, when the other girl answers uh, answers the door to Daniel Craig and she's in a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, I'm like, okay, Trent, we get it. You're in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> love Nine Inch Nails, by the way. Me too. But I just loved it. I mean, from the moment you get into this film, it's a slow burn. If, if people are paying attention, this is a slow burn movie. But once you get into the middle of it, it does not slow down. Oh, it no. just keeps on going. It's literally like the movie shot up met halfway through. <laughs> right. And also, too, the part where, uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot what the main character's name is because it's been so long. But when she's getting ready to be raped by that one guy that's supposed to be her lawyer, the one that's supposed to be over her funds and everything, the way she gets revenge on him was just perfect. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you're talking per- about uh, Lizbeth Salander. Right. Okay, that's the uh, main character's name. Okay. Yeah. 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 The way she gets revenge on him was perfect. It was like a BDSM style kind of beating that she gives him. Oh, absolutely. Especially whenever... I mean, it, was, it was, she, was perfect straight out of the book. It was. It was graphic. It was twice as graphic as what you got from the Swedish version. The Swedish version was that. I've seen both versions, as you have. And I've got to say, the Swedish version has... It it literally one-ups the North American version. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. That's true. It did. But I actually saw the unrated version, though, too. And they actually actually stepped it up a notch. (laughs) To the point where she's (laughs) actually taking the taser and electrocuting his balls with the uh, taser. Yep. And everything. You see, that and was the not... that I watched was the unrated. Right. Okay, so you watched the unrated version. I actually saw the rated R version and the unrated version. You see, the, I have uh, not the... seen the rated R version. I, I'm literally, I skipped straight to the moot point unrated. You see, I actually saw it in the movie theater, so I saw the rated R version first. Then well, yeah, I watched they're not the... going to show an unrated movie in a movie theater. No, definitely not. <laughs> but, you know, I actually saw the rated R, unrated version so I can compare... They actually let the taser go on a little bit longer than what they should have. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we can we can just come to a point that that man is no longer he he is sterile. He he is no longer uh, very sterile. <laughs> firing on all cylinders, if you know what I'm saying. If you if you smell exactly. what I'm stepping in, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I this movie is like I said is a perfect from book to screen adaptation. I really loved it. Of course, I liked her hacking abilities, where she can actually hack into certain people's software. Daniel Craig's actually investigating this crime as well it's it's perfect and i also have to touch on daniel craig i mean perfect actor honestly in my eyes one of the best bonds i mean he is a phenomenal actor he really is he really is a phenomenal actor i mean Um, quantum of solace oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that was actually one of my favorites in casino royale yeah, Casino Royale was fantastic, but Quantum of Solace hit me on a whole new level. Right. But that and is right. a topic for a different day. Right, exactly. But The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is perfect. I like the soundtrack to it. I also like the opening song for em- the Emigration Song by Trent Rincer and his wife. Yep, yep, yep. So that was actually pretty cool. But that's all I have to say about The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So what's your number four? Well... Actually, I think this will be my number five. Okay. We'll yeah, yeah, this will be my then. number five. Okay. Um, I am actually going to flip the switch. I was okay. originally... Hang on just a second. Somebody's trying to call me. I Hold was on, originally don't. going to touch on Rose Red. Okay, go on ahead. There are way too many points that I can touch on with Rose Red, so I'm going to mm-hmm. have to go with, and I don't know if I'm stealing your thunder here, at Chapter 2. Okay, no, 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 because I don't have that as my number five. Okay, good. It's actually... Okay, go on. It, just the way that they casted those kids as adults was beautiful. (laughs) I mean, they could not have done better with Richie's character or any of them. I mean, and Bill Skarsgård, hat tip to that man, he was oh magnificent in that movie i mean just the way that he messed with all of their minds throughout that entire movie all the way up until the showdown at the end of the movie perfect you see i'm actually going to be the one that is going to say i liked aspects of it but as a whole i didn't really care for it it was kind of like the lesser version that I wanted to like, but I didn't get, didn't really like it fully. I, I even openly admitted that. But I can understand you know. that. I, I can, I can also get on board with that. I mean, there were a few points in the movie that I, 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 I didn't particularly, you know, care for. Like you know, the beginning, the one part that really jacked with me the most was bashing on the, you know, the two men in the beginning of the movie. I right. wanted to keep a PC. Well, you know what, though? That's actually in the book. No, I understand that that was in the book, but, you know, it's just the way that they went about it, just the gruesome attack on the It was brutal. Demons. It was brutal. It was all right. It was. It just goes to show you how dark Derry is, you know, and that, how dark of a place that place is. Yeah, how backwoods it is, if I may. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also another point, though, too. But, you know, um, 
I was, and then I feel bad for what happens to the guy's partner once he gets thrown into the uh, on in that bridge. I mean, just you know, from them, you know, throwing away his inhaler, knowing he's an asthmatic, flipping him over into the bridge, and then watching Pennywise kill his boyfriend in front of him. Just put yourself in that man's shoes for five minutes. The five minutes that that happened, just put your man your, your feet in that man's shoes. I mean, how the hell would you have reacted to that? Exactly. My heart would have been broken, but I would also be scared as hell. Yeah, uh, where I just saw it and witnessed. down on your boyfriend, I'd be running like hell. <laughs> Me too. I wouldn't just be standing there. No. You know what I mean? But, you know, I was, I actually said this in my review whenever I reviewed it by myself. And that was the fact that I thought that this was actually going to be a controversial movie from the opening scene. But it wasn't. Oh, absolutely. Nobody really talked about it at all. You know? I was actually expecting people to actually go up in arms with it and stuff like that. But there was no controversy surrounding the film, which is also a good thing. You know, honestly, really I think people... the reason that there wasn't controversy surrounding the film was it was such a sought-after film. After the success of It Chapter 1, everybody True. was just waiting for It Chapter 2 to drop. So, honestly, uh, I think uh... just the hype of it all was what what was that opening scene saving grace. That's true. But I thought that um what's his name that played Richie did a really really good job. Oh, what was his name? Bill Hader. Bill, Bill Hader. Hader. Yeah, he did, he did a really good job. job. They could not have picked him more perfectly. Exactly. And Jessica Sustain, you know, as Beverly. Yep. And everything. That was perfect casting. But the Chinese restaurant scene will always be my favorite scene. Oh, absolutely. And of course, the fun house. And the fun house scene. The scene that hit me hardest was the little girl getting attacked under the bleachers. Oh, God. That, that ripped my soul. Yeah, that killed me on the inside. Mine, too. I'm like, and I'm waiting for it. I know it's going to happen. And I jumped out of my damn seat. I'm not even going to lie. Whenever that scene hit, I, I screamed like a little bitch. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> But, dude, the, my favorite part in the Chinese restaurant where he thought that where um, Richie thought that the little boy was actually it, and he says, "Okay, quit fucking around." <laughs> dude, I'm talking about there. stand up, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you like an autograph? <laughs> At that point, his no, career is pretty much over with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your career is over with after that, and he doesn't oh even write God. his own jokes. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> no, but my favorite part of the whole Chinese uh, restaurant scene was whenever they actually all came into realization mm-hmm. why they were there. Like, it all just light bulb, bling, and it all just hit them like a ton of bricks. It was perfect. Right. It was. It really was. The way that the actors and the actress, you know, reacted was on point. 10 out of 10. Definitely. And then also, to the funhouse scene, get this, in L.A., they actually had a, uh, they actually did have a funhouse thing set up like it, where you, oh. where you can actually enter. Oh, that's terrifying. That is. I'm like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I ain't going in there. You didn't kiss my ass. I'm going to go stand on the sidewalk and watch all my friends go through. Right? Uh, feature, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Skarsgård was in there as a guest star. I'm no, like, I wouldn't nope. be surprised either. I'm like, that nope, man... I'm good. <laughs> I honestly, in my opinion, I think that he outstaged Tim Curry. 
I think so. I think that he did is really my good. honest opinion. Bill Skarsgård did perfect as it. If he were alive back in the seventies or the eighties, I think it was the eighties. Whenever the original it came out, it was the nineties. Yeah, it 90. was like ninety one. Yeah, yep. if he was old enough to portray it, then it would have been a rap right there. There would have been no need for a reinterpretation of that movie. Definitely. So, let's see here. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with it, Chapter 2? Oh, no, absolutely not. Let's get on to your number five. Let's see what you got up your sleeve. I got Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Aha! And here's why. It's the first introduction to the Harry Potter world after reading the books, after reading the first two books for so long. So we don't know exactly what to expect or anything like that. So I thought it was a perfect from book to movie adaptation. Everything I imagined with Diagon Alley was actually what I thought in my head as I was reading the book. I thought that they did a good job with that. Hagrid was perfectly well casted. Uh, Harry Potter, of course, was... All the characters were really good. All the actors that they actually chose was really good. Emma Watson as Hermione. Well, I've got to touch on one. Okay. When they recasted Albus Dumbledore, if they would have had the Dumbledore that we know and love instead of the man that they had in the original, it would have been perfect. Right. So you didn't like the original actor for Dumbledore. He didn't add enough Zang into it, if I I may. Okay, I got you. I mean, he didn't have that pizzazz that, you know, our Albus Dumbledore had. Right. Okay. I got you. I can actually see that. I I understand why you would actually say that because I actually felt that same presence as well. When uh, because don't forget this actor actually passed away. Yeah. So yeah, I understand that. I mean, rest in peace. But right. He but was actually, not the Dumbledore that we needed. No. <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah, I actually thought this film was a lot of fun. I actually thought the setup was really good for the very first Harry Potter film. You know. Absolutely. And I could not agree with you more. I mean, just the way that they portrayed Hogwarts, Diagon Alley, as you said, and Gringotts Bank. Gringotts was perfect. All the way down to the goblins. It's exactly how I imagine and pictured. Exactly. Same. Like, it was just to a T, perfect execution on a movie. Definitely. But yeah, that's my high points of it and everything with this film. And of course, uh, seeing the staircase moving, you actually got to see Hogwarts for what it is. It actually felt like a real place. We also got to visit a lot of the places that we actually read about in the book. It was perfect. And Snape, you couldn't get a perfect person to play Snape. Oh, absolutely. He was just top-notch. Definitely. The, The way that he portrayed Snape was exactly how I pictured him in my head the first time I read that book. Dark, Same hair. That, creepy. That coldness. Right. Shady. Cold, dead eyes. I mean, just perfect. Quirrell, on the other hand, Professor Quirrell, they could have done better. But right. he did great. And to be fair, even the book, I felt like he was kind of like a thrown away character, in a sense. Yeah, yeah I can agree with that. Now, so, let's look on Professor McGonagall, though. She was perfect. That was a perfect casting choice. So, 
you know, I actually liked uh, this film for what it is. I Like you said, there was a couple of miscastings here and there, maybe a few little problems here and there, but still, overall, it was still a good film. Could not agree with you more. All right. So, let's see. We're on. You already did your number five, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, that pretty much wraps <laughs> up the show and everything, man. Um, I just want to say thank you for being on the show and wanting to do this. I know that you've been wanting to do this ever since I did the Slipknot album review and everything. We just never got around to actually doing anything. Oh, absolutely, man. And I, I'm honored to be on the show. You're, wel- you're very welcome. As soon as this thing is actually done, I'll go on ahead and send you the link to it so you can listen to it. Sounds perfect. All right, man. Thanks again. And always until next time. Bye-bye.